and welcome to the Oxygen Addict Triathlon Podcast. We're brought to you every week by our sponsors, PrecisionFuelAndHydration.com. Personalize your fueling and hydration strategy so you can perform at your best. You can get 15% off your first order of electrolytes and fuel with the code OA22 at PrecisionFuelAndHydration.com. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm your host, Coach Rob Wilby, and every week I bring you an episode of this podcast aimed at helping to motivate and inspire you along your triathlon or endurance sports journey. This week, we've got an age group story. We've got Jessie Hassel back on the show. Jessie was on about two years ago, and at that point, she'd just completed her first half iron distance race. Two years on, she has managed in the last 13 months to complete three iron distance races. Get this, going from a finish at 15 and a half hours in Austria at the end of 2021 to just over 12 and a half hours at Ironman Portugal in 2022. So an amazing increase in her performance. But also the thing that's going to come across in Jess's interview is just how much she loves triathlon, how much she loves training and how she's discovered that in her own words, she said she considered herself a, a back-of-the-pack plodder, was how she describes herself later. And it's absolutely not the case. And, you know, when she got back from Portugal, one of her friends at the club said, do you realise you've done one of the fastest times of an Ironman of anyone in the club ever? So it just goes to show we we don't necessarily know what our ability is and what's hidden within us when we start this journey. So without any further ado, let's go to this week's interview of the week with age grouper, Jesse Hassel. So yeah, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hi, I'm great. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, really good. <laughs> so the journey from, I mean, I guess the last, we'll set the scene, the last podcast that we did, we took your journey from essentially, I was listening back, never having done even a run, like you were stealing your sister's running shoes to try and go out and how do humans even go for a run? That went all <laughs> the way through the journey to completing a couple of half iron distances at that point. And the interview ends with with you saying, what I really want to do is go and complete a full, a full iron distance. That's where we ended last time. So the first question I want to ask you today was, what was it that initially motivated you to want to go and do a full Ironman? Oh, well, this is a, a bit of a weird one, actually. So deep, deep down in like the pit of my brain, I'd heard of Ironman, but didn't fully really know what it was and had no idea that it was triathlon. There was They were not connected in my head, weirdly. I don't know why. And um, I was more of a swimmer not really a swimmer but you know I did it for like just to keep fit and I'd go and I'd go to the pool when my husband played badminton and I'd just churn out all the lanes and I I'd do an hour and I'd be like oh I can do 2.5k in an hour and I was like that's cool um I wonder how far I could go if I did two hours and then I went and I did 5k and I thought oh that seems like quite a long way and then um sadly in 2014, my cousin did the Ride 100 and he died on the Ride 100. He had a cardiac arrest and he was, he'd was he been training cycling um, to do that. And afterwards, we decided we wanted to get his bike over the finish line. So there was a big like mass effort. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll give cycling a go. So um, my husband and I, my dad, we went out and we did the Ride 100. And it was so hard training for it. Like I really underestimated going out three times a week. And uh, I had no direction. I just did it. And then after that, I was like, oh, I can cycle 100 miles. And I thought, oh, I wonder how far an Ironman is. It's a shame I can't run. 
so then that's when I started running um and then I saw a guy with a tattoo okay (laughs) when I was running on um the half marathon that I did my first half marathon I thought oh that's a weird tattoo it looks like really familiar but I don't know what it is and so I googled the tattoo and I was like that's an Ironman he's an Ironman I was like oh right well if I can swim 5k and I can cycle 100k if I could learn to do a marathon maybe I could get one of those but I didn't get a tattoo just you know (laughs) you didn't get the tattoo did you know (laughs) never went for it now do you know it's so funny that that was my almost exact same experience I I did my first one out in Australia and there was a tiny little triathlon club in the town I was living in but you know 60 70 people would turn up every Saturday to do this local triathlon and it was two Australian dollars to enter every time and one of the one of the women went over and did Ironman New Zealand and came back with a tattoo and I remember thinking that's that's amazing you've you've done an you've done an Ironman that's unbelievable and everyone in the club kind of and we were going back here to the I can say this the turn of the century you know it was the early 2000s when it was really rare to meet somebody even in Australia where there was this massive culture that no one else in the club had done one and when she came back with this Ironman tattoo I remember thinking if I ever do an Ironman, I am so going to get one of those tattoos. And then later that day, it rained during the race and it almost never rained there. So the roads are really greasy. I crashed on the bike and sliced the back of my shoulder open. You can see this here, maybe still. And I got this scar on the back of my shoulder. Yeah, it was a real good, it had stitches and everything. And I thought to myself, well, I've kind of got my, this is my personal <laughs> Ironman tattoo. That's that's kind of my badge of honour of, I don't need to, you know, because I was quite scared of getting an actual tattoo. <laughs> I mean, mine's not as good, but I've got a little, you know, scar from where my, uh, where when I run, it's like chafed on my chest. That's all I've got. <laughs> that's my version (laughs) that's a thing every time you see it in the mirror every time like my son growing up when he was little he would he would kind of run his finger backwards and forwards across it and say what's that daddy and I could tell him this story of you know this is and I like the idea like the scars are the things that they kind of they don't define you but it's the thing you've overcome but you you carry a little reminder of it yeah so yeah good there we go we've got our own little scar club rather than a tattoo club no, I, I, so that didn't really answer though. I'm going to call you on this. You didn't really yeah. answer how, how did Ironman get in your awareness then? How, how had you heard of it? You'd seen the tattoo, but weren't quite aware of the event. Honestly, don't know. Like it's just something that has been, it's like the ultimate craziness, isn't it? In the back of my head, like, oh, could you imagine doing an Ironman? And I didn't really know what it was. And it is weird because now I think about it, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm really into Marvel. So, like yep. superheroes, very cool. Like, so I know about Iron Man, but yep. you know d- they're not the same thing. But obviously, I, I've thought about it. But it is, I guess, that's the success as a brand, isn't it? That that brand can permeate your subconscious without actually knowing what yep. it is. I didn't even know it was a triathlon. That's how ridiculous it is. And my friend right, Kate, okay. she was like, "I said, oh, I'd love to be able to do an Iron Man, but you know, I don't know if I could do the marathon yet." And she was like, well, why don't you do a triathlon first? And I was like, what's that? And she was like, you know, Ironman is a triathlon, right? <laughs> and I was like, no. And she went, oh, my goodness. <laughs> she was like, just start with a small one. Go and do leads and then see what you feel. <laughs> Work up to it. Like, oh, okay, right. Okay. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, so let's uh, – one of the things I'm going to do, I'm going to sort of 
I'm going to publicize the previous podcast as well for people if they want to if they want to hear your backstory. But let's fast forward in time. Autumn of 2020, 2020, we're through the we're through the first kind of phase of the pandemic and and kind of triathlon reopens and you managed to do Outlaw X at that point, didn't you? Yeah. Talk us through then the next the next journey to get yourself through to your first Ironman, which was Austria, which would have moved to September 2021. Yeah. So after Outlaw X, um, I trained through the winter and it was all great. And then when it got nearer to July, they they moved the race again to September because they'd moved it previously and then moved it again. And um, that was quite hard because I trained. I was literally about to go into, I think it was like my my the biggest build bit just before. So that's quite soul crushing <laughs> to get it that It wasn't long before that. when they moved it, was it? It was, what yeah. was it, like four weeks before, five weeks before maybe? I think I was literally about to start my race sims or something or the really long rides and, and then it, it hit and I was like, oh no, I've got up to like five hours and now I've got to drop down again. So that was a little disheartening. But um, and I remember having discussions with um because I went with Chelsea to Austria, um, my friend, and we just sort of like discussed. I said, I'm definitely going. Like I've tr- I've put so much into it. I have to go. I can't if I don't go, if I don't go for the next option, then I, you know, I just have to do it. Um, so even if it wasn't ideal, I was gonna do it anyway. <laughs> like if I crawl around and it's miserable weather, I don't care. Um, but it it was it's interesting because like you have in your head uh this image built of what your race is gonna be like. And like especially if you only plan on doing one or you only plan on having that experience once you want the best experience that you've ever had. And having the less than ideal is a little disheartening, but you don't know any better because you've never done it before. So going in September, leading up to that, and then going in September, it was like incredibly stressful because you had so much pressure put on you because you've trained for essentially two years and then it's been cancelled every time. Um, You want it to be the best, as in like you want to finish it. That's what I wanted to do. But you mean, you know what I mean? Like you want there to be a big crowd and everything else. And (laughs) Yeah. And what was your experience like out in Austria? Because it's, I mean, it's a long time ago now to think back, but crowds were actively discouraged weren't they at the time from from going to to be there and that's obviously a big part of the especially the Ironman Austria experience which is renowned for being one of the biggest crowd supported events yeah (laughs) um yeah it was it was really different and having now done three I can honestly compare them all and like see clearly the difference but my first um things that I've like experienced were um there were so few women at the race so few uh the and I now I can see from other photos from this year it was massively reduced there were about a third the size of the competitors I think they usually have like 4,000 people and there was a thousand people there it was tiny um and everyone looked so fit compared to me <laughs> and I was like with my bike my normal bike just going along and everyone had a PT bike and they looked like greyhounds I'm just plodding along I think that was the bit I was like oh right okay the hardcore people have come out for this one because they're like oh yeah I trained through COVID I'm gonna do it and I was like hi I've just turned up to have a nice holiday (laughs) do you know I think 
I'm almost sure of this at this point. I think everybody who's an Ironman thinks everybody else at the Ironman is a real athlete and they shouldn't be there. Bar like the three people who are chasing for the win in both sexes. I think everybody has massive imposter syndrome, no matter what they try and tell themselves. I've got friends who have done 20 odd Ironmans and I know they still feel the same way. There's always some voice in your head saying, now externally, I'm looking at my friend and going, well, you've just done the Decker Ironman this summer. Of course, you're in great shape. But there's something in his head going, yeah, but this didn't work. That's not worked. I've had this niggle. Everybody's got that doubt that they shouldn't really be there. Yeah, no, that's totally a thing. (laughs) It it doesn't help at the time, does it? But maybe it will if people are listening to, as you go to your race and you're standing there thinking, it's okay, guys. Everyone feels the same. Yeah. Maybe we still get t-shirts with, I feel the same written on the back. (laughs) When I started um, doing triathlon, I had a t-shirt and it said, world's okayest runner. And I always wore it for races. And then people would spot me and be like, oh yeah, yeah, that's that's all right. I I needed one that was like, world's okayest triathlete. (laughs) Yeah. It's a, it's a real thing. The fear is real, isn't it? (laughs) It is. Uh, so Austria then come on talk us through yeah. the talk us through the swim bike run but before that let's go back to the the how you got there across what was the experience yeah. of having it cancelled at the last minute and then having to sort of let it go and then get back into it again well for me I think I'm I've been hyper focused on it for so long that it, it was just like oh okay it it's not now it's just going to be in another couple of months I'll just keep going and that was totally fine for me. And I appreciate that not everyone is like that. But I was like, I I really enjoy training. I really enjoy training. So it's a blip. It it just delays the stress a little of having to worry about COVID vaccines and all that stuff that was rubbish at the time. I'm like, okay, I don't have to worry about that. I'll have my second booster or whatever it is by then. It'll be okay. Um, so in that way, it was, you know, it was actually fine. But um, it's just the, the the stress of the travel was actually greater than the stress of having to train again. <laughs> yeah. Um, getting there was a bit of a nightmare. Having to take um, my bike on the plane for the first time. <laughs> that was yeah. interesting. And having to have passport. It was really interesting because everywhere you went in Austria, um, they wanted you had to show uh, like a piece of paper to prove that you could sit in a cafe and stuff like that. Was, oh, so was it was like a real, like a real COVID passport yeah. type thing. Yeah, yeah, you weren't allowed to sit until you'd shown them your. It was, I think, it was called a green pass or something. You were like, my green pass. I've had a COVID vaccine. Please let me sit. So in yeah. that way, it was quite stressful, and a lot of things were. Yeah, it was just a very strange kind of time. Um, yeah, the the race village is really nice. It's sort of near the lake, and the town is quite far away, and because of the travel situation we had to get tested um like at certain times and so you'd have to like walk all the way into town and then what I think we did we did so many steps just walking back and forth through town from the race village and back again that was unnecessarily stressful (laughs) yeah oh it's it's hard enough anyway for your first Ironman but having all of that layered on top it's a real challenge did you did you feel the stress of that at the time was it something that was really conscious in your mind yeah, I, I, because I, the ultimate fear was getting COVID before the race and then not being able to race. And that was the biggest fear, like the whole year was not necessarily getting COVID and then recovering. It was 
there's getting COVID the week before and not being able to race because you'd worked so hard for something that you really wanted and then it could just not happen at all that was terrifying yeah actually that was the most scary thing <laughs> yeah yeah you managed to avoid it then and, and talk us through race day itself so the race day oh, it was amazing so <laughs> we walked down to the start um they have it so well organized and yet I still managed to mess up because I I put my I thought oh I, I don't need shoes because I didn't want to carry my shoes so I ended up walking to the start line with no shoes on which is really stupid like they have systems to stop this happening but I managed to do it so um I was walking barefoot like over the gravel going, <laughs> I'm gonna get glass in my foot <laughs> like a good like mile to the start line um yeah it was amazing that that start you can't compare it how it feels to stand on the beach in your little pen and then then play thunderstruck and then everyone runs into the sea it's just something like oh it's so amazing it feels great um but because it was such a reduced um amount of people there like all the start pens I was like I'm gonna go to the one hour 30 start pen and I went down there and I was like there's no one here because there's not that many people so I'm gonna keep going up <laughs> I was like, okay I'll just start dancing here then instead I had a little dance little you know starter dance that's always good and then we we're running in and it was it was beautiful the water was crystal clear like just amazing place to race and it's it's funny because like you know what 3.8 kilometers feels like when you're in the water but then for some reason on race day it feels so different <laughs> and with Austria because I think two-thirds of it or maybe most of it is in the lake and then it it loops around and you go up the canal and that was the best bit because you're like oh yeah something interesting there's some gross stuff in the lake yay I can look at that and it was like a big pipe and I was like yay I'm gonna follow this pipe <laughs> So is it like water. a it's like a 3k loop isn't it that you go out and back and end up back in the canal and then yeah. everyone swims straight up is the water still clear in the canal is it still like crystal no, clear? It's pretty no gross it's pretty gross. okay so yeah. it's proper I, canal. when I got out I had something stuck to my face and I don't know what it was I think <laughs> it was like a ginormous bug it looked like a giant caterpillar stuck in my face and I don't think about it don't think about it just throw it away <laughs> not great advertising for the event this yes it's a good job it was not, really beautiful everyone it was really beautiful. advertising dollars from austria <laughs> <laughs> it was i'm sure it was lovely do you know what was really great they have like a bridge and everyone stands on the bridge as you're swimming you can see everyone on the bridge and that's quite nice it is lovely i didn't mean it like that <laughs> <laughs> hey tell it like it is people need to know i think that's the that's the the, the biggest like the the real life you need to know what you're entering before you enter for people. I think if you if you oh, go yeah. to Austria, you want the crystal clear swim, but you need to know if you're entering, I don't know, some other race that there's a good chance it's going to be a wavy sea swim. That like the reality of it's important. You can't you can't enter, I don't know, Ironman Cork expecting the sea to look like it does Ironman Hawaii's video cast. Yeah. It's it's a real life thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Right. So is. the bike course then. The bike course at Austria, oh. is it is it two or three loops these days? it's it's weird it's um like an upper loop and then a lower loop and so you kind of cross over in the middle but I, not by much um that was so beautiful it was insane the but whoever told me it was flat is a liar because it isn't <laughs> it's really not 
um it was because of covid it was quite lonely and um that really stuck out for us um because Chelsea and I um cycled um of course not next to each other but like we were we could see each other in the distance um and occasionally we'd switch places but um so we were the only two out there for miles and miles and miles (laughs) um and that was quite disheartening not seeing anyone because it 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 put the fear in you that you weren't going to meet cut off but I knew because we did best bike I knew that we were fine and we were hitting times that were perfectly fine but that was quite a, a struggle and even though there was covid um people did come out and cheer on the bike course it was really great like people would sit on their driveways and there was a bit where we went up this hill and they'd go hop 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 um we're going up a hill and there were some students all sitting smoking shishas on the side of the road just come to cheer us all they'd set up a little table out of a cable drum just chilling you know lots of barbecues it was great it was really really great it really adds to that it really adds to that festival atmosphere doesn't it when when people who live there have set something up in the garden and they're just they're just going to watch for four hours as, as the competitors go by and they're so happy for you it's really nice yeah. so lovely and I mean the bike course though it's uh, the thing that got me was there's this bit where um you're cycling through uh, where they do lots of logging and they have all the um logs lined up on the side of the road and the smell of the pine hitting you is intense it's just so amazing it's it's incredible I can't describe it It, it's yeah amazing Um, and all the beautiful architecture like these amazing um, bridges that come out and you're like it looks like um, something out of a postcard I don't know not a postcard but you know like a a poster like an art deco poster yeah amazing but the first lap was a lot like that the second lap not so much (laughs) the second lap was a bit I just wanted it to be over now but <laughs> did it, you did you have any moments of doubt during the bike leg did you have any moments of of darkness and uh no I, I I would say I didn't actually because I knew that um I knew what what I had to hit and I knew how fast it was going to go and it was fine and I knew that because it, it was post-covid this wasn't the normal so I shouldn't expect a certain thing and to be honest, I've done triathlons where I'm at the back of the race and I don't see anyone anyway. So I can't judge myself against what's happening anywhere else. And, um, you know, your start time is from when you go in the water. It's not from I didn't start at the beginning of the race. So it makes sense that I wouldn't see many people. So it was totally fine. Um, yeah, I was I was calm. I've made peace with that. <laughs> but and that's, I was, that's really good you know. because I think you've you've perhaps underestimated how other people's experience of their race is because lots of people don't even even you know people who are further up the field don't have that sort of same calm six seven eight hours on the bike of yeah this is fine I've got my plan I'm sticking to my watts it's all good they, they ride for you know sometimes at the pointy end for five hours in terror of being a few watts down or a few minutes down or you know especially if I feel sorry for the the athletes who are driven by time and bike splits and a few watts either way means you either you know success is under 520 or or failure is over 520 that leads you to a miserable whole day out there yeah. it sounds like you managed to get your your inner chimp totally on board and 
banging his cymbals along with you for fun rather than yeah. hitting you with a stick. Then I were having a great day out. We were just, you know, seeing the sights. It was all great. I had my pretzels and my tri bars, you know, it was all happy. Tell us about the pretzels and the tri bars. Come on. So, oxygen addicts didn't believe that this was my fueling strategy, but it was. It most definitely was. So, I thought, you know, I need something interesting. I, I get really bored with my with my um fuel on the ride. I get very, very bored very, very quickly. And I was living off like cliff bars and naked bars. I was like, this is all. I need to spice it up a bit. So I thought, oh, do you know what? I really fancy a pretzel and I'm going to Austria. That's like a theme. I should have pretzels and I can put them on my tri bars and for easy access. And they just live there. I don't have to worry about putting them in a bag or anything. So I did. I bought I bought like three pretzels and I put them on the tri bars. And then every now and again, I just like have a nibble off one. But so, so for the benefit of the people who are listening here, right, because I've seen the photo of this, maybe we can get the photo off you and we'll overlay it on the screen. Um, these are not like a, a little, like a bag of crisps pretzels. They're not an inch no. across. These pretzels are the size of your face, weren't they? They yeah. were. They're the full yeah. on, on Austrian proper pretzel, chewy, like bagel type pretzel. And I, I went to the spa shop the day before, put them on. Now, there's an it element goes. of this where I can't condone trying something on race day you haven't tried in training. But if you're going to try not something, very aero. It's, not, it's not very aero. But you've got some nice, simple baked carbohydrates there. So True. And it was certainly not boring. But I did have a minor panic because I, I ate around one and I was like, it's intact. It's going to stay. It's fine. It's fine. And then there's this bit where you go um, down a hill and it's got cobbles. And I was going, gadun, gadun, gadun. and all of a sudden one of them fell off. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get disqualified by Ironman. They're going to come for me because I've littered on their course. And I was so freaked out. I was like, just go really fast and they can't catch you. Brilliant. So you make the end of the bike leg happily within yeah. the cutoff. Yeah. You and Chelsea still roughly in yeah. the same place at this point. So you, you managed to see each other in transition and does it become a, come on then, let's do this together. At no, this point? no, it was great. We were like, let's go. And then I'd say what followed was the hardest, hardest slog I've ever experienced on a run ever. It was really hard, really hard. It's the, the first 10K was in daylight, which was nice. And because Austria is usually in July, it's usually in daylight quite late. So people's finishing photos are usually in the daylight. This was dark almost immediately. And then we were saying, oh, it's a really nice temperature. And, and Chelsea said, oh, it would be nice if it was just a little bit cooler, though, wouldn't it? And then it started raining. So thank you for that. And, uh, and it rained the whole time <laughs> and that but you know props to the organizers though because immediately as it started raining they pulled out these amazing like iron man branded ponchos and i thought oh that's cool and they kept trying to offer them to us and we were like no no we're english we deal with the rain we're fine we don't need those so we're just running around in the rain smiling chatting having a great time probably but it did hurt it really hurt <laughs> yeah and then at yeah. 10 o'clock the beer came out on the aid station and we knew that the party had really started what about <laughs> they were offering beer out from the yeah. aid stations they haven't really yeah they did yeah like but it happened at 10 o'clock because that's as soon not as we an official past- that's not an official thing surely that's not an official <laughs> <I'm> not <branded. laughs> 
I swear, like little cans of beer appeared. We thought, oh my gosh, this is the the golden part of the race that no one knows about. <laughs> That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I didn't have tell me, one. Tell me you didn't have a beer during the race. Yeah, I'm I didn't. Say, I didn't. I'm not a massive beer drinker, but it amused me greatly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I that race. Uh, that bit of the race was tough because we had no spectators basically towards the end because the, the students that were great and they had like um a boom box outside this I think it must be student accommodation along the canal or something and they had they were so every time we went past we did like a little dance and had a great time and then when the rain started there was no one <laughs> okay our friends have gone now so you really had the lonely dark cold yeah. rainy yeah if we hadn't have been together, it would have been super lame, super lame. Did you did you have any periods of doubting you would finish during this? No, because I I feel like because we'd met that cutoff, we knew that if we walked it, we'd still make it. But we didn't want to walk that much. But we were walking a lot because of my feet hurt so much. Um, I don't know why they just really did, and I I had not really fueled properly on the um the run I'm not great like I know I know it's stupid and it took me two Ironmans to work it out that you need to fuel on the run <laughs> because I, I really don't like gels and I don't like eating when I'm running so when I train I just don't and it never occurred to me that that is absolutely necessary to do <laughs> so it wasn't until and I think that's really common I, I really do you can do a really long run you can do a two and a half three hour run in training and not need anything you know people who do yeah. it without even any water but absolutely doesn't prepare you for how it's going to feel in an Ironman when yeah. you start and you've got two grams of carbohydrate left in your in your muscle stores exactly. that's the big difference isn't it yeah I think I had one Percy pig that Chelsea gave me <laughs> that was it wow <laughs> really bad really bad but you but took we this out. We yeah, laughed you took it out. <laughs> but this is the thing, right? You you've done your first one. You wanted to get through it. You managed to get through it. You had to walk a lot, and you were in a lot of pain. But you did it. You got through it, and you got to the end. And it sounds like you went right. Okay, there are some things that we need to we need to do differently going forwards. Yeah, which is which is great. But you got through that first one. You toughed it out. Tell me about the finishing shoot. Oh, it was. Yeah, it was incredible. I mean, there was no one there, <laughs> but it was incredible still. In my, you know, I I had images of what it would look like because I've seen you know clips of it on the internet and friends' um, experiences, and you know, there's like a million people and they're all screaming, and and there was my husband, and that was it really. <laughs> um, but it was still amazing to us, and you know, it was quite emotional. Yeah, it was very emotional doing it together as well. Was amazing, like running down and. With our hands in the air, it was great. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a ridiculous distance to cover on yeah. on a, on human power, isn't it? Two hundred twenty six kilometers, human powered. It's it's insane when you think about it, and that most people consider a marathon to be the most challenging physical thing that they'll ever do, and you've done that after riding your bike for one hundred eighty kilometers and swimming for four k in open water. It's amazing. It's a long day. It's and a I long think all day. that, yeah, all that coalesces in your mind as you're coming down the finishing chute, especially that first time that you might have built up to this for certainly one, but two, three, four years in your head. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that is the main thing. It's not the day necessarily. It's all of those hours of training before the 15 hours a week for the last few weeks. And just, yeah, all that time that you spent on a turbo churning out the watts. And it all comes to that. And it's great. It does feel amazing. <laughs> so after you've completed your first one, then that was yeah. that was September 21. Yeah. When did you start having the inklings of, well, I want to do another one now? Because people tend to go two ways. Was it immediate for you? It was, I'm over the line and sign me up. So somebody once said to me that, and I don't know if they meant it like this, but they were like, oh, you're going to be one of those people who only do one. And I was like, what does that mean? What does that mean? I could I could do more than one if I wanted. And, you know, not in a, it's not um, in like a competitive way, just in a like, well, you know, I I did it and I saw it through. And then I kind of felt like, I had unfinished business and I wanted to do it and do it like do it not I don't know what the word is but you know just like do it well you know give it a proper proper not COVID related go yeah yeah there's a there's a do it when there's no COVID restrictions parts for it and it and it feels like the full experience but there's also I think the thing you said before hang on I've not eaten anything oh, there's something more to this than just like turning up and rolling through the aid station with a yeah. person pig. Like I wanted to do it and it and feel comfortable. I didn't want to do it. And I, I wanna, wanted to know that I could do it and at the end be like, that felt great rather than ow. Yeah, there's a difference, isn't there, between tired and yeah. sore. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's It's misery to be, and and I, was, I often say this to people, like the people walking in the Ironman Marathon, they're not having a casual stroll. It doesn't feel like a walk does on a Sunday. You're walking because it hurts too much to run. And that kind of walking looks to the observer like you're not really trying, but it's hard to express how hard, like I've been there. We've all been there. You've all walked and race because you've had to. And it's misery because every step your quads feel as though you've done 5,000 squats the day before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's intense. It's an intense situation. And I yeah. I like, in my mind, I'd conquered it if I could smile all the way through and be like, that was great. I've really enjoyed that. Yeah. So that was the aim for Ironman number two. So tell us what you yeah. signed up for next then. So I signed up for Latesman because I thought also, is it about the brand? Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to go for something that's not Ironman branded. Um, and everyone recommended Latesman absolutely amazing race loved it so so much they are lovely and we go on holiday to the Lake District every year so I thought oh I could just kind of like fit it in casually um so that was my choice for that for the next one like a bonus (laughs) in terms of different approach to training and things you did slightly differently leading up to Lakesman what what was similar and what was different going into Lakesman, sort of Ironman 2, what was different in your head? Well, the thing that I noticed was that most of the training was, I feel like I switched to mostly outdoor training um, when I could leading up to Lakesman because it was so much, you know, it was a much um, lighter because it was earlier in the year and it was just, it it felt less of a a drag. Um, And it was also really different because I did most of the training on my own um, because I lost my training buddy. And it was just uh, doing things on your own gives you a completely different headspace. 
and, and not that I did every train session because I have like friends who did long runs with me and it was great I was like to mix it up but the majority of the uh, bikes were on my own um that was really different really different but it made you stick to your plan a bit better <laughs> but I was gonna say how how was it different what from from the perspective of someone who's done the first one I don't want to say like socially but it sounds like you were you were mainly driven by the I'm going to train with my friend I'm going to train with friends we're going to like it's amazing riding the bike yeah the second one sounds like it was more about the performance and it was more about doing doing the training to set levels rather than just getting the distance done so with the with the three Ironmans each bike training has been really different and yeah so the first one was quite social and it was just like yeah we're gonna have a great day we're gonna go out for six hours and it's all very casual and great and it was fantastic and then Lakesman training was hard because it was like learning to ride again um, on my own and just getting used to talking to myself in my head and not going crazy and also I didn't know I, I, I always worry that I always pick the easy option and so I sometimes often will pick something harder so that I feel challenged that I know that I've done the hardest now so it I know I can do it mentally, so therefore it is easier. Once you've conquered it mentally, it's it's not necessarily about physically being able to go and do all the Surrey Hills. It's like, I know I can do them because I've done them once, so it should be fine. And it, it was a bit like that, weirdly. I did. I signed up for a lot of sporties, a lot of sporties, because I am always terrified about getting lost. I'm terrified about um, getting a puncture and not being able to fix it. So for the, for that training, I went and every weekend before, if I knew I had like a five hour ride, I'd be like, right, okay, there's a 70 mile sportive in the area. I'm going to pick that and then I can cycle home. And if it's not long enough for five hours, if it's too long, I can do this. And that worked really, really well for me because somebody else has made that um, route. So I know it exists. I'm not going to end up in a forest, which I happen all the time to do. Uh, and, uh, and then if I have a trouble you know I can call the, someone and then maybe they'll come and help me get my bike or something so it's not too traumatic and I did a lot of those and there was one like uh, the race sim weekend and I had to ship my bike um, to Austria but I did oh that was it I, that was ship my bike to Austria but I did a sporty before that on my own um, and that was some crazy one in Car- Carlisle and it was like just mentally hilly and stuff but I really think those sort of rides because they're really challenging and they're a lot crazier than you think and you're on your own you feel like really prepared so by the time I got to Lakesman I was like well I've done these sportives and they were not routes I would ever have chosen and they're a lot hillier or tougher or the road surfaces are different to what I would normally pick and it's not boring because that's the trouble I get really bored really really quickly if it's a sportive I'm like oh I've never done this before this is Mm. exciting yeah I think it's a really good tip actually for all kinds of athletes I think using sportives as part of the build especially for the long distance stuff it just really shakes the training up and it's hard enough getting the really long rides in without the feeling of heading off and I'm just going to be bored all the way through this yeah yeah and also you've got all your aid stations if you need them so it's more like replicating an actual race, isn't it? Because yeah. if you're out on a long ride for six hours, you probably have to look back to your house to refill your water bottles or something or find somewhere yeah. nearby. 
So Lakesman then, for people who, who don't know, it's in the Lake District in the UK. Yeah. It's in June, mid, mid-June mid oh, time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you've got really long day. It's a very different experience um, daylight-wise to how Austria was. Oh, but it's yeah. also an amazing lake venue, isn't it, for the swim? Oh, it's such a good event. It's so good. The, you swim in Derwent water and you swim around like this little island and go back and it's just so nice it's incredible it's cold but in a good way I don't know if that makes sense but you know what I mean it's just really nice really beautiful scenery and you um the bike the 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 swim is like yeah in the lake in the town center and then the bike goes up to Cockermouth and then up along the coast to Worksop and then back down again so the, the bike isn't actually mostly in the lake district it's sort of along the coast and it is challenging, <laughs> really challenging. Uh, the wind was crazy, crazy. Yeah. And I, I don't think that's normal. I feel like we had an unusual, I don't know, I, I felt like speak, speaking to people who've done it afterwards, they were like, oh, there's a bit of wind, but it wasn't that crazy. But this was in, intense going yeah. against it. It's exposed, isn't it? It's exposed really super all the time, exposed. yeah. It's not like yeah. Austria, that's for sure. <laughs> And what was your experience of um, of the bike on race day compared to how you'd been at Austria? How did you feel sort of prepared wise for it? So I feel like I didn't, I feel like I didn't do my best on the bike um, because I got really bored of my food because I didn't bring any pretzels, that's for sure. So I didn't, I, I just got really bored of what I was eating. I had a lot of naked bars and I had some Velo Forte cubes. I ended up throwing the Velo Forte cubes on the road by accident. Um, so I lost some of that. Um, my naked bars, I just got really bored of them. And I had Tailwind, which was a new addition to my um, fuel, which worked really, really well, really liked that. Um, but it just, I on reflection now I just don't think it was enough because I remember the wind was blowing against me and I was supposed to be at like 160 watts and I was just looking down and saying I was doing 130 and I was like oh that's rubbish I just had no but then I knew it was psychological because sometimes when the scenery got nicer or when it got hillier or you know just not a flat road suddenly my watts were normal again so I thought okay I'm getting bored of what I'm eating and I'm getting bored of the scenery um I think that's what happened but mm. yeah it, I think compared to Austria I, I think for me um things that make me do well are things that are interesting to see and it wasn't the nicest scenery compared to Austria Austria was incredible but this was like oh, okay I've been to the Lake District a lot I'm going up to the coast now oh there's some sea yay you know it wasn't <laughs> wasn't mountains so it sounds like you you're the kind of athlete who feeds off the environment around them quite a lot and without yeah. something or, or to flip it over to make it more positive if you do events where the scenery is amazing you're going to feed off that yeah. and the challenge for you is is to fuel yourself even if you're bored is to find something to be fueled by with the scenery even it's if there's nothing to see that's yeah 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 i did treats and i didn't bring any treats that was my problem. Again, really, really common. I think people get bored on the bike and people get bored of what they eat on the bike. And, and often something that's worked well in training doesn't work well on race day. 
loads of gels in a water bottle worked great in training and then on race day it's really hot and you're trying to drink warm syrup and it it's like these are the issues that come up for people that certainly first timers don't don't see and recognize and it's it's easy to sit here in the cold light of day and go well even if you're bored of it you need to eat it anyway but the reality is our brain plays a trick on us at the time and goes well i'm I'm just not doing that but you need to eat well i'm not doing so what are you going to do about it yeah, those they're the challenges that you need to overcome that aren't dealt with by Zwift, that are not dealt with by training planets. All of this is going to be derailed if you, you know, choose to to not eat enough calories, essentially. Yeah. And I feel like on reflection, you know, losing a few aero watts from having some pretzels would have actually not <laughs> been too bad compared to dropping my watts all the time because I was getting bored. Yeah. Um, and I did, I, I did suffer a bit because I slept on the sofa the night before because yeah, we had the C word in the house. I was like, oh no, <laughs> I've got to annex myself to the sofa and then ended up being all scrunched up on the bike and not having a great time. So, wow. It was a bit challenging a bit the day crazy. before. It was really challenging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. On the run, then, you managed to get yeah. yourself to the end of the bike ride eventually. How did that feel? So the run was actually great. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. I so the first, I think it's like five laps, and the first, um, first like couple of laps, I was like, oh, this is great. Like the cheering was exactly what I wanted, and my family were there, which is not like normal for them. So it was really nice. And the course is okay because I I do feel laps break it down so much easier than just doing a long marathon course. I think you can just take the chunks and be like okay lap one lap two it's fine um the first two laps were fine but I could feel myself wanting to walk more and I thought oh I haven't fueled properly because that's my sign now that I know that if I feel a little sad or if I feel like I want to walk I know that I've not done it right um and I could see on the aid stations they had like lots of interesting things but I'm I'm vegetarian and they had jelly sweets. So I was like, oh, I can't have those. And um, and I thought, oh, I could have crisps, I suppose. I, so I tried some crisps, but they're, they're not really going to help, a little tiny cup of crisps. And they had um, Coca-Cola, and I haven't drunk Coca-Cola for eight years. So I thought, oh, well, you know, maybe just this one. I'll try it and see how it goes. Well, I had, like, one cup of Coca-Cola. I was flying. <laughs> like, the third lap was incredible. And then from then on, I had a Coca-Cola at every aid station and I had like the best run of my life. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. yeah. And all thought, of this is pointing towards the challenge being fueling, isn't it? It's all around yeah. every time Jessie has sugar, Jessie feels better. When she yeah. feels better, <laughs> she can run. And it's this is a thing that everybody experiences. It's not just you. It's a very real. My, my very first coach said in, in your Ironman, if you feel good slow down and eat. If you feel bad, eat. And it, it, I was like, well, there's got to be more to it than this. And I think his point was basically when you're feeling good, don't don't take the opportunity to absolutely hammer yourself. Use the opportunity to fuel yourself while you're feeling good. And if anything changes, if your mood changes, if the way you feel about the race changes, eat, because it's very probably yeah. blood sugar related. And it sounds like you've been through exactly the same thing. The glass of Coke during an Ironman is just like, it can be the magic elixir, can't it? It was. I never would have believed it how magic it was, but it was 
insane. And the weird thing is, it's when you're hungry, you know what hunger feels like. But when you're running and you're hungry, that's not what it feels like. And you just feel sad or in pain. Weirdly, once you have the sugar, you're not sad and in pain anymore. <laughs> so bizarre. But it worked. Yeah, it was incredible. And then afterwards, yeah, I ended up doing a, a personal best for a marathon. So, like, yeah, after that, the third lap, pulled it out of the bag. It's a personal best for a standalone marathon, let alone. Yeah. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. I know. And it was like by 15 minutes, I think, as well. Crazy. So it sounds like this is the point the pennies dropped about the about the fueling thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got to the end of yeah. that and went, I can remember us having this discussion at the time. Oh, I get it now. Turns out it. you need fuel, yeah. <laughs> Turns out this is why you keep badgering me about how many calories per hour I'm taking in, boss. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like with like all the science behind it, like this many carbs, and I sit down and I work out, oh, yeah, I need this many carbs this much an hour. And then you go, well, that's like 12 naked bars. I'll just have 12 naked bars in my in my little fuel cell and then when you get to it you're like oh I really don't want that I don't want that at all and so yeah for my next race I was prepared for that feeling totally and I was like I'm gonna take treats I'm gonna treat myself around this race next time (laughs) right brilliant so talk us through the strategy then the the third Ironman here in 13 months is Ironman Portugal, which was yeah. not too long ago now, was it? It was back in October. No, there's three months between Lakesman and Portugal. So I finished Lakesman and Lakesman, because there was so much stress about everyone getting ill before and like the just, even though it was really good, I felt like I wanted that Ironman experience again. I wanted to see what it was like without the COVID protocols and everything. So I signed up for that. And um, yeah, it, the training was very different again, because I have, I changed like all my nutrition before as well. I was eating so much more than I've ever eaten in my life and actually fueling for I know it sounds stupid doesn't it I was actually fueling before I did exercise in the evenings and at work and it worked so much better for me <laughs> doing Just, all those things we're meant to do be kind to yourself here. it doesn't sound stupid <laughs> at all what it sounds like is the same thought process almost everybody goes through and then they have this revelation of Oh, look at that. If I if I feed my body enough calories, it will respond completely differently. We we live in this like mindset of scarcity, don't we? Well, I'll I haven't got time to eat. I'll I'll get on and do this. Yeah, I don't think you've gone through anything different to to an awful lot of people who have this moment of, well, it's it's kind of obvious now I've said it to myself, but it doesn't make it feel like I should be doing it at the time. Yeah. And it- having actually a lot more carbs during the week so that when I got to my long ride at the weekend I could you know I was fine I was absolutely able to do those things whereas I think before when I hadn't been necessarily you know like that trick where you're like oh I've got to run this evening so maybe I'll have a chocolate bar because that's fueling right but it's not (laughs) it was completely different mindset leading up to that race and it really changed a lot it was really really good um yes I changed that and then for the actual bike fueling um I I brought all the treats 
all the treats. So I went to like a fancy um, food shop and I looked at all their chocolate bars and all their like confection. And I was like, okay, I'm going to buy a really expensive chocolate bar and treat myself. So it was like a vegan Mars bar. And um, I put it in my bag and I knew that I was allowed it halfway. So I was looking forward to it the whole time. And it was so sugary and disgusting. It was great. <laughs> how many how many more calories did you have, do you think, on the bike during that one than you'd had at either Lakesman or Austria? Did you work it out afterwards in terms of like calories per hour, carbs per hour, things like that? I did. I worked it out by um, carbs. Um, oh, I haven't got the data. But yeah, I worked it out. I, I tried to aim for like, I think it was like 80 grams, um, 80 grams an hour. And I, yeah. so I had a real selection this time. I had, I had naked bars, but I also had like Velo, um, so raw Velo bars as a different thing. And I had uh, Velo Forte cubes and I had, I even had crackers <laughs> from Gales because I was like, I'm going to have the poshest crackers as a treat I never ate them but I had them with me because I felt like the minute that I got bored I could have one and it would like something savory just something a bit different and I had um, a Kendall mint cake which is just pure sugar isn't it and that was really good as like a palate cleanser just something different to stodgy chocolate and sweets it's like oh a bit of mint and I had I sound like it was very luxurious I had tailwind so I had previously always had like one bottle of Tailwind and then a bottle of pH, but I decided to go all Tailwind this time. And I made the concentrate a little um, stronger. So I was getting more carbs in one bottle. And I bought a bottle that's slightly larger than a normal bottle. It's like 900 milliliters rather than 750. Um, so I knew that I could cram loads more into it. Yeah. Um, so I had that. And then I had a bottle of Active Root as like a gingery... Um, like in case I felt a little bit sickly and sweet, I had something that could cut through all the sweetness. Yeah, so it was good to have a mixture. And then I had sachets of Tailwind. So when I stopped it, I it was near the second lap. I stopped and I replenished my Tailwind. So I think I got a lot more um, mm. carbs on that. Just also alone by the Tailwind. And and it looks like like the the two strands that are appearing here for you are firstly more calories works really well but secondly having a variety of things you could choose from meant that you didn't you know you worked out what the issue was which was boredom with the thing and so you had lots of different options and also they were a treat for you i think that's really important the thing we talked about before about the the inner chimp banging his symbols along with you like every time the chimp gets fed something different the chimp's really happy and happiness what's a real thing right so happiness if you're are a real thing <laughs> if you're having different things and you feel like great i'm treating myself i'm having this thing i am worth this i have trained for this i man i'm having the most expensive vegan chocolate bar that there is which again it's great that this works for you because chocolate never worked for me if i tried to have chocolate on the bike couldn't stomach it love it the rest of the time but i think an athlete has to work out what works for them yeah. and for you it's more calories and it's variety of calories you've nailed that and it's taken you a couple of races to get there but now you have it's almost like you're not holding yourself back anymore by lack of food choices and lack of calories and now you get to see what your physiology is capable of and what your fitness is capable of on race day 
yeah yeah and like uh, now I look forward to it because I'm like oh I'm not gonna have a coca-cola again for another year <laughs> but when it comes to race day I'm gonna have about four liters of it be yeah. great <laughs> yeah totally so I want to I want to put some numbers on the bike splits here for people. So Austria, you were seven fifty on the bike. Lakesman, you were seven twenty on the bike. Cascades, you were six forty on the bike. So obviously courses are different, but all things being equal, that's an hour and ten minutes faster from Austria to Cascades in just yeah. over a year. <laughs> you know, amazing. And part of that's going to be down to the fitness application, but part of it's down to racecraft and working out fueling and working out how to you know how to stay motivated by keeping the calories at the right level for yourself yeah it just that well especially portugal that bike ride was absolutely joyous it was amazing it was interesting as well and i think that's for me one of the most important things is yeah the how keeping my brain interested mm. And it was perfect for that. So Cascais, is it a is it a two lap bike course, Cascais? And is there a yes. motor racing circuit involved at some point? Oh, yes, it is so cool. So like the first few K, you go up like mountains into the into Sintra. And because it's at the beginning of the lap, it's not too bad because you're like, oh yeah, it's hilly, but it's fine. And then you go downhill into Estoril and then they cut you into the formula one race course and it is so fun it is the best oh everyone around me was like can you believe we're doing this it's so cool I know. <laughs> it was brilliant and then after that you go down onto the coastal road and you basically just go straight out to Belém, to lisbon and then turn around and come back again and that bit it, so they all it, it has many different things so it has the hill right the hill um, cycling and then it has like this crazy formula one thing that's like what is that but i know amazing loved it and then there's like out and back that's you know a, a real chance to get into aero and i hadn't actually been training that much in aero because where i live the potholes are awful and i'm not confident enough going downhill and i don't have a tt bike i only have a normal bike with tri bars on it so i don't feel safe going down into aero too often but that course was just yeah I, it was a dream so going down and, and being on the um, error bars was no issue at all. And yeah, because then you knew the course was going to go around again. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that hilly bit, even though it's a hilly bit. It's still going to be interesting. And yeah, yeah love it. Really, really a bit good. of variety. Sounds like it played really well in your mindset there. Yes, definitely. I mean, it was uh, windy as well because it was on the coast, just like Lakesman. But it, I looked down and my watts weren't dropping. So I was like, OK, I'm happy with it being hilly, uh, windy at this point. And did you feel like the fueling strategy had worked with this as well? Totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And how did you feel getting off the bike then? Oh my gosh. So um, the last 10K of the bike was so painful, but it was okay because I was smiling, but it really, really hurt. Like my toe hurt so much. I thought I'd broken it. It was really, really bad. And I saw um, Ian from Oxygen Addict right in front of me. And I was like, I'm going to see if we can get into T2 at the same time. So I just like, was right behind him trying to see him in my sight as he was going around the corners and then we got into TT and I was like hi and then suddenly my foot didn't hurt anymore it was fine <laughs> but <laughs> it was like distraction distraction it was great and then um yeah there's like this really treacherous ramp down into T2 
um, which is cobbles with a carpet over the top and with cleats you just feel like you're going to slide like a penguin on one of those rides going down but it was good it was good yeah and the run as soon as I put my running shoes on absolutely no issue with my foot at all just carried on it's funny how that can happen isn't it it can be really painful and then change your sport change your shoes you're away again yeah and how did you feel on the run then in terms of you fueled much better you've stayed really mentally focused the course has worked for you how did you feel during the run so for the run so if the, the course at Kashkais is um, it's quite hilly, but hilly in a like undulating way. So it's not hilly as in, it's not like Holcombe where there's like a definite hill and then a definite downhill and you kind of can walk up it and then run down it and you can justify it. But this, I didn't feel like I could justify it. I had to just keep going, um, which was actually probably really good because if I had allowed myself to walk up the hills, I would have been walking so much um but it yeah it was just a slight incline where I where I train at home is hilly anyway and I don't walk up the hills so it, you just have to like get over it and be like this is the, this is it now this is how it is it's fine and the first like UK were a little they were always a little tough to get into the first few like the first couple and then afterwards there were so many aid stations it really helped with the nine one walk run um strategy and then I allowed myself to walk through the aid station as well but I tried to keep it as minimal as possible so I literally ran up to the coke stand had a coca-cola and then ran again <laughs> um and I did have a coke at every single aid station good and there's and a, lot. a strategy that works for you and it's worked for you because so we mentioned before that the run at Lakesman was was a 15-minute marathon PB to go 455. Yeah. Your marathon at, at Portugal was 430. So it was a 25-minute, yeah. another 25-minute open marathon PB. I know. I have no what idea. What point did you realize you were you were having such a good run? I didn't know. I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea. I was just like, just keep going, you'll be fine. Yeah, I had no idea. I, I would have said it was the same as Lakesman, but maybe because of the hills, maybe slightly slower in my head. That's what I was thinking. But I wasn't really thinking about doing a time. I was just wanted to get around it. And I felt like walking would just prolong, <laughs> prolong the situation. So I just had to keep going. Yeah. Did, you have any, did you have any inkling how well you were doing relative to other people? No. You just no, had kept no on trucking and... No. So you yeah. cross the finish line, your overall time was 1230. 12, 12.48, I think. 12.48. Yeah. What went through your mind when you saw that coming down the finishing chute? Well, I didn't see it when I went down the finishing chute. No. So I, no, I didn't see it. I didn't see the time because I'm blind as a bat and I did have my glasses on. So I couldn't read it. And then I got through the finish line and I was like, yeah, that was amazing. I was so high on sugar. It was madness and I've sort of skipped around to pick up my medal and and then I turned around to the board to see what my time was and I thought it was wrong <laughs> I was like no no and then I was yeah I got like really worked out it was amazing yeah I I mean when I did Lakesman and I went through the finish line and I did 13 hours 48 and I turned I, I didn't even look at the board I wasn't interested and then I got out and my sister was there and she said oh 
let me take a photo of you in front of your time because it's still on the board and I was like oh that's not my time that's just a random number she was like no no that's your time I'm like no it's not it's just a random number because I was thinking you know like I don't know why I just thought it wasn't it was just a random number because there was no way I was going to do it in that time and then I started crying because I was like no (laughs) so then to knock off another hour I was like no that's not right that can't be true so yeah it was amazing (laughs) <laughs> so it was like a two-hour pb at lakesman from austria and then another hour pb at portugal from lakesman yeah <laughs> unbelievable so what that can't be right you went from like 15 30 at austria to 12 48 in just over a year yeah. wow yeah <laughs> yeah I'd, I'd never so it turns out that. it turns out there's there's a very decent Ironman athlete hiding amongst <laughs> hiding amongst all the fun and the unicorns and the pretzels and the aero bars. <laughs> so what's next then? Come on, this is this is what I love to see. You've you've kind of revealed your like your superhero real identity. Turns out that Jesse's actually a really very useful iron iron distance athlete. What's next? What's the focus for next year? Well, I'm gonna go again. Gotta do it yeah. again for sure. Yeah. No, I think. I mean, I, I'm totally addicted now. I love it. I love the training, the distances. It's just right for me. It's just a good challenge level. And yeah, I'm going to, I think I'm going to try for Bolton next year. Give that a go. And then maybe see in, later in the year, see if I can cram in something else. See how it goes. It might break me. Bolton's quite tough, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Bolton is a, Bolton's a challenging one, but you'll never be bored. You will, you, will not, you will not for a second be thinking there's nothing to look at on the Bolton bike course. You'll be watching out for the next corner. Excellent. And there's always this prospect as well. I mean, I, I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say this, but there's these extra 50 women for tri-cona slots that are going on there as well. Mm-hmm. So is that something that you think, I mean, that would be an awesome arc to your story, wouldn't it? To, to end up in Kona one day. It is a terrifying thought, but it is like a lofty, lofty dream that would be nice. <laughs> well, you've got the you've got the natural ability, you've got the desire to work hard, you've got the enjoyment of working hard. That's three of the four horsemen right there. The fourth one's just getting some good luck on race day. And if anyone deserves it, it's you. So let's see where the cards fall. Hey? I mean, either way. I want to work hard enough to get to Kona one day. So, you know, whether it takes 12 Ironmans or not, I want to go there. I think it's going to happen sooner than that. That's my that's my professional opinion. But we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. So much of it so is luck meeting preparation. You've got the preparation part of it. It's just what happens can be in the hands of the gods sometimes. But, yeah. Lots of rainy rides in my future, I see. <laughs> well, there's a story then from from 15 and a half hours to 12 and a half hours in a year. I love it. I love it. Powered by nice vegan chocolate and Coca-Cola. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and happiness. What? Let me get them. Like in all, in all seriousness, that's the place to end this on. It's the talking about the enjoyment and the happiness. That's the that's the key to all this, isn't it? Definitely. If you can do it with a smile on your face at the end, it definitely hurts less. And it feels great. <laughs> Brilliant. 
All right. Well, listen, Jesse, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out to tell us about your crazy Ironman year. I've loved hearing all about it. Um, <laughs> if you. people want to find out more about you, are you on Instagram and all that stuff? I am. I'm at Jesse Hassel, I think. <laughs> people will find you and they'll get to see the, the the wide variety. The thing we haven't mentioned yet is you're possibly the the brightest dressed triathlete out there with the with the stomp the pedal kit aren't you yes and the pink hair and the coordinating pink outfit yep <laughs> <laughs> that gives you extra cheers at races it's good because they can spot you <laughs> well there you go listeners if you are if you're at an event next year and you see the brightly dressed pink haired lady it's got to be jesse give her a shout awesome well listen jess thanks for your time cool thank you okay i hope you enjoyed that i I love jesse's story i think she's a wonderful human being uh, and that's the most important part of this but more than anything i love that she has discovered the love of training and she's redefined herself in her own image it's not to do with how she stacks up against anybody else or where she's finished in her age group it's a love of the process of training and it's a love of the process of finding out what she's capable of and i'm telling you now we're going to see this lady in kona in the next uh, in the next not very long distance of time you, you mark my words i've said it here and now so keep enjoying the journey jess it's inspiring to all the rest of us all right guys a couple of things to mention i've had an email from our friends over at precision fuel and hydration i want to read this out for you i just want to highlight our black friday offer that we'll be running we've got 20 percent off everything in store at precision fuel and hydration.com 20 percent off everything in store from thursday the 24th of november through till just before midnight on cyber monday there's no code required discounts are auto applied site-wide and you can choose a free gift on orders over a hundred pounds so check this out i was i was on instagram earlier on today I saw Precision Fuel and Hydration are now working with uh, Global Cycling Network with promos they've got on. These guys are everywhere at the moment, and you'll know if you're a long-time listener. I love them. I love the people behind the company. I love the products. I love the electrolytes in different strengths that match how you sweat. I love the fuel mixes. I love the chewy bars. I love the gels. I think every product out there is just brilliant. If you haven't tried it yet get on over to precisionfuelandhydration.com. You can use our code of OA22. Or if you're waiting until the Black Friday sales from Thursday the 24th of November, they've got 20% off everything. So there you go. You can go over and fill your boots. But if you're training in the wintertime, you are going to need to take care of your electrolyte intake to stay hydrated because you're going to sweat so much on the turbo, on the indoor spin bike, on the watt bike or the treadmill. So make sure you take care of it. You can also go over to precisionfuelandhydration.com and you can get a personalized strategy for you, your next race, your training and it'll help you understand your own carbohydrate needs your electrolyte needs your fluid needs you've heard jesse talk in an interview today about how important it's been for her to work out her own carbohydrate needs and a way to meet those without getting bored during racing so if you've never done anything like this before it's an essential part of your success at middle and long distance racing you can also book a free one-to-one video consultation with PFNH's athlete support team, and they'll be happy to help you nail your race nutrition plan and help you perform at your best on race day. 
The only other thing to mention is if you head on over to teamoxygenetic.com, if you're thinking about triathlon coaching for the coming season, I think we've got the most comprehensive triathlon coaching program for busy age groupers. You can book a call with me and the team to see if you'd be a good fit and to find out how we can best help you out on your triathlon journey for next year. So there's just a simple link to click there and it'll go through to our calendars and you can just pick a time that suits you. Love to have a chat and find out how we can help you realize your half iron or iron distance dreams or even any kind of endurance sport at all these days. I don't care whether you're in your first sprint or you're trying to do an ultra marathon. We've got a training plan that can help you out and we've got hopefully the advice that's going to get you there in good shape and compassionately. So remember, there's links in the show notes. You don't have to remember any of these links. And until next week, have a great safe training and racing week. I'm Coach Rob Wilby, and you've been listening to the Oxygen Addict Triathlon Podcast. See ya.